Hey friends, welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle. I am so grateful that you are with me this week and I have a treat for you. I am with my friend, Ann Busick. Ann and I met in 2017 when I went on my first pilgrimage to Medjugorje. And you've heard me talk about Medjugorje. You know that I love Medjugorje and have a Medjugorje heart. And a big part of that is the experience that I've had with Anne and her story and her connection with Medjugorje. So I've invited her on today for us to talk about Medjugorje and why it is so important, why it is so needed in the world. So Anne, welcome. Hi, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, First of all, I want to say I love that you use the term Medjugorje heart. I've never heard that before, but I, I love that. I have a Medjugorje heart too. And I think so many people that go there, that experience it, end up coming home with a Medjugorje heart. So I love that. Right. I wrote in a recent blog that once you go to Medjugorje, it's almost like your heart is divided into two places. You feel so at home when you go to Medjugorje. It's so familiar and comforting. And so once you go, it's like you leave a little bit of your heart in Medjugorje. Well, you know what? That is really so true. I've been taking pilgrims there for over 25 years now. And so many of them have said what you just said, that they feel like they're home. And, you know, I think a big part of the reason for that is our hearts. So as the as the saint, great St. Augustine said, um, our hearts are made for you, O Lord, and they shall not rest until they rest in you. And one of the things that really happens for people is they go to Medjugorje and they have such a, a profound encounter with the Lord that it fills their heart with that which our heart was made for, right? So when your heart is filled with that which God intended it to be filled with, you feel at home. And that's one of the beautiful things that happens there all the time with, with pilgrims, with people who journey there. Absolutely. And so our most recent pilgrimage, we returned about two weeks ago, and I still feel like I'm on that high. I'm still processing and just reflecting on all of the graces and all of the blessings that our group experienced that week, the way you just, you go over there and you are literally transformed. Like that sounds dramatic, but it it happens. Everybody or most people have a transformation, whether it happens at the beginning of the week or towards the end, or even when you come back home, I still see those graces appearing and those little God mo- moments, they seem more magnified. Mm-hmm. I think everything just seems bigger and brighter, um, just more intense. You know, I, I always tell pilgrim groups at the very beginning, I always say, there's probably somebody here who's thinking to themselves, what am I doing here? You know, why did I come? Maybe they didn't want to go. Maybe they just came out of curiosity or whatever. And I always say, just trust that the Lord has you here for a reason. If you're here, it's because Our Lady invited you here. And if she invited you here, she has something to give you. The Lord, heaven has something to give you. Sometimes it's something very dramatic. Sometimes it's a small seed that's planted that grows over time, but everybody always receives something. And so often, more often than not, people really do leave, as you said, transformed. They they experience something profound, whether it's through the mass there, through the sacraments there, whether it's through their encounters with the group, whether it's through some talk that they heard, 
you know, something happens where they are so deeply touched and this fire gets lit inside of them and the right. fire just continues to grow. And, and it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Yes. Our most recent pilgrimage, there was so much joy. Sometimes my stomach would hurt from laughing so much. It was this joy that was overflowing, which was so interesting because some of the people brought some pretty, um, intense suffering, some deep wounds that they were wanting healing and wanting to understand. And so the fact that the Holy Spirit was alive and present with joy was so amazing. Yeah, you know, it it really is an amazing thing to witness. I think it's such a testimony to the fact that with faith, when we have that encounter with the Lord, when we allow God into that deepest recess of our heart, you know, not that we're not going to experience pain in life, not that we're going to be, you know, spared of suffering, but that we will have the most incredible tools, if if you want to sort of minimize it by calling it tools, right? But to deal with whatever the Lord sends our way. And so, yeah, there were people that had tremendous suffering, you know, in, in our group. But at the same time, they were filled with this joy that that enabled them to carry that suffering in a way that maybe they couldn't have imagined before. And it really is a, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing that happens. It's not something that's just available in Medjugorje, obviously. It's something that's available to all of us. But somehow, for some reason, God is pouring out a particular special grace in Medjugorje so that people experience it there and bring it back home with them. So, you know, it's it's just this mystery, but it's a beautiful mystery to behold. Absolutely. So, Anne, you have been front row and center since the very beginning of the apparition. So if you'll tell us a little bit about that and the messages that we've had for so many years and why those messages are so important for the world that we live in today. I often say, and I'm not the only one who says it, many people, there are many people who are much more, <laughs> more important in the church than I am say that Medjugorje really is one of the most important things happening in the world today. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a second, but I just want to, just for a little bit of background information, I'm from a village two miles away from Medjugorje. It's where I was born. I am Croatian, but my family moved to the United States when I was two years old. And so I grew up in the Chicago area. But in the summer of 1981, when the apparitions began, we quote unquote happened to be there on a summer vacation. We went, my family went on a summer vacation to, to be with our family for that summer. And we we got to Medjugorje or to the region two weeks before the apparitions began. So I heard about the apparitions on the fourth day of the apparitions and have been following them. It, it profoundly changed my own life. And I've been following them really basically ever since then. It's it's been um it's been the passion of my life to help people encounter what I encounter there. And that is a deeper intimacy with the Lord. And so it's been the joy of my life really to take people there so that they can encounter that same thing. In terms of the importance of these messages, there's uh, there's so much to say about that. I almost don't know where to begin. Right. But one of the things that I would point to, first of all, in our church, we have a history of God intervening in our times, you know, throughout history when the world has been in, in danger, in crisis, and difficult times. There have been, you know, we have the beautiful history of apparitions, of messages, of locutions. We've got Lourdes and Fatima and the divine mercy messages. And all of that happens not because Our Lady or Jesus has nothing better to do, but because 
at that particular time in history, there is a need that the world has. And our God is a God who interacts with us on a daily basis, who is concerned about us, who wants to be there with us, wants to make his presence known to us. And so in our time, God's intervention in our time is Medjugorje. You know, for people who say, look at how bad the situation in, in the world is. When is God going to intervene? Well, guess what? God has and is intervening right now as we speak through the messages of Medjugorje. And let me just say a little bit in terms of if, if you're not familiar with what that all means and, you know, what the incredible graces are that are coming out of there and how Medjugorje is profoundly touching and changing the world. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. First of all, I, I just want to say a word or two about the very beginnings of the apparitions. When Our Lady first started appearing, actually the first message that she gave to the visionaries, she said something that was very um uh, I don't know if daunting is the right word or difficult to hear, but she said, she said the first message she gave to the visionaries on the 25th of June, 1981, was she said, she has come to tell them that God exists and, you know, several more words, several more sentences. But at the end of that first message, she said, the world is in danger of destroying itself. Wow. She came to speak about the fact that there are difficult things happening in our time and you know, where we were in 1981 compared to where we are today, you know, it's a world of difference. We are in such a more difficult state than we were back then. But she came back then because the world was going through some, you know, grave difficulties. And in the, especially in the beginning years, she gave more messages about that, about how there's difficult things going on in the world. And God sent her to intervene, to bring about a message from heaven, to bring about a plan. In fact, she has often said, use the words, God has a plan for the world through Medjugorje. We don't know what that plan is. She didn't give us the PowerPoint presentation of, you know, <laughs> D of what this plan is. But we know that she's not here just because she has nothing better to do in heaven. She's not here because she just wants to, you know, give these nice little messages. She's here because the world needs God. Fundamentally, the world needs God. We need a heavenly intervention. And that's why she's here. In, in terms of what are some of the things that have happened as a result of these apparitions? So, you know, these apparitions have been going on for 42 years this June. Right. Daily apparitions for 42 years. Daily grace is being poured out in such abundance. And the graces that have spread throughout the world through these messages have just been abundant. Like, I, I like to use this image where... If you imagine a, you know, I'm sure all of us have seen on television, the black galaxy with the starlit skies in the background and the blue earth kind of prominently in the center of it. Well, if you imagine that blue earth with the black background and imagine a beam of light coming from heaven to a specific point on that earth, that point is Medjugorje. There are graces being poured out there that, you know, Our Lady has said to the visionaries that we are receiving graces unlike any other time in history before. So if you imagine that beam of light from heaven coming down to Medjugorje and really spreading over the entire world. And will you talk a little bit about those graces? You know, graces is one of those words that's tossed around a lot in faith. What are some of the graces that you see coming from Medjugorje? Well, I'll tell you what one of my favorite ones to talk about is. And, and I, I think it's one of them where you can actually see very concretely what is happening as a result of Medjugorje. And just to give some background, in 2010, 
uh, Pope Benedict established a commission to investigate Medjugorje. And that commission, as part of the investigation, they were collecting all kinds of statistics. They wanted to know what are the graces happening in Medjugorje, right? Because by your fruit, you shall know them. And so the church wanted to look at what are all of the positive things that have happened as a result of these messages. If there weren't any, the church would have long ago said, this is not an authentic place of apparition. But because there's such an abundance of graces, the church has continued allowing these, you know, these pilgrims to travel there and, you know, the shrine to continue growing. Well, so one of the things they collected in, in this investigation is they wanted to look at how many priestly vocations have come from Medjugorje. And that number, so what they did was they kind of, they sent out kind of this mass email or notice. I actually don't know how they did it. it was, was it, you know, a, a, a notice in the newspapers? I have no idea how they did this. But anyway, basically saying to any priest who's received their vocation from Medjugorje, please contact us, let us know so that we can collect that information to know how many vocations came from here. The last tally that I heard was that it was 640 men submitted their testimonies that they received their vocation directly from Medjugorje. And I always say whenever I share that number is I always um, I always qualify that number by saying that number was only the men who knew that Medjugorje right. was collecting that information. How many I know many, many priests who did not know that that information was being collected. So they didn't submit their stories. That number also doesn't include and I know many of these guys, men who already were priests, but were really in a place of struggle in their priesthood. But they go to Medjugorje, they went to Medjugorje, and they had a profound experience there, which gave a new life to their priesthood. I know uh, many priests who think that the actual number of priests who were born or reborn, so to speak, in Medjugorje is probably close to, to 2,000, a couple of thousand Let's but let's just go with the number that we know, and that's 640. Let's just say that that is the 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 number, even though we believe it's much higher than that. Right. 42 years. In 42 years, 640 men have received their vocations to the priesthood in this little village in the middle of Bosnia-Herzegovina, in the middle of nowhere, that as you well know is very difficult to get to. 640 men received their vocation to the priesthood. And those 640 men have gone out into the world, gone out into their places of ministry, and have brought that passionate gospel message to their places of worship, to their communities. And the thing that I always say, the men whose priesthood was born in Medjugorje, who have a special love and devotion to Our Lady, these men are not going to be deceived by this by the times we know unfortunately there's lots of amazing incredible priests whose vocations didn't come from Medjugorje right but we also know there's there's been a crisis in the priesthood in the last you know 40 50 years where we've seen priests who've betrayed their vocations who've betrayed their vows church officials who've not been faithful to what they're supposed to do in terms of you know protecting the flock we know that we've gone through this time of darkness well, Our Lady through Medjugorje is giving birth to a new army of men, a new army of people who are passionate, who are in love with the Lord, who love Our Lady, who love the rosary, who love adoration, who, are, who love the sacraments, who are ready. I know so many of them who have said, we will die for the faith if we need to. And I, I think that's something that when you have Our Lady at the heart of your vocation, she protects your vocation. And so if you think about that army of men, we know that one person on fire for the faith can change the world. This right. is a small army. This is a small army. And like I said, that small army 
is probably bigger than just that 640 men. So that's one of the graces. That's one of my favorite ones to talk about. Um, just a, a few things more about that. Like, for example, the Cardinal of Vienna, Austria, I was just in Vienna last week and was talking to a bunch of priests there whose vocation did come from, from Medjugorje. The Cardinal of Vienna had said, were it not for Medjugorje, his seminary would be empty. Wow. There are religious orders all over the world who have said that the bulk of their vocations have come from Medjugorje. That's just the that's just the priests that I'm talking about. But there's also lay people throughout the world. 50 million people have traveled to Medjugorje. And something really special happens when pilgrims travel to Medjugorje. And this priest friend of mine, he gave a name to it. And he called it the grace of commissioning, the grace of being commissioned. And he said that something very special happens in Medjugorje. And that is when, when pilgrims go there, they encounter something so profound, so beautiful, so powerful what they encounter is an intimacy with the lord in a very in a very real way and when they go home it's not enough just to live it themselves yes they want to live it themselves but so many people go home and want to bring that to other people they're the ones that get involved more in the parishes they're the ones like you who said i want to bring pilgrims back to medjugorje i need to go back there i need to bring this message to other people and so when you think about the millions of people that have traveled to Medjugorje, I can say as a fruit of Medjugorje myself, I know I have that grace of commissioning because when I went there and encountered God, I knew I would never be able to do anything else in my life but help other people encounter that same thing. It was I was given that grace of commissioning, being commissioned to go out and bring that message to the masses. Those are just two of the graces, and there's so many more. There are so many. And, you know, when you're living your daily life, there's busyness and chaos and there's so much going on that you often overlook the gift that we have in the church, in the mass, the sacraments and coming to Medjugorje. It's almost like a shot in the arm, like you're reinvigorated in the faith. Everything falls away and your focus is going to mass each day. And then I want to talk about the beauty and the sacrament of reconciliation. I know Medjugorje is also known as the confession capital of the world. And it's so beautiful to see the priest sitting out in the courtyard, hearing confessions, the people who line up for hours to go to confession, but that the graces that come from that. Yeah. So often people think when they go to Medjugorje, it's all going to be about Our Lady, right? Because it's a place of apparition. And so they think, oh, the entire focus is on Our Lady. And in some ways, that's what keeps a lot of people away. They're like, well, I don't feel connected with Our Lady or whatever. But what happens when people get to Medjugorje is they very, very quickly discover that it really, yes, it's the apparitions that drew people there. But you have very little connection with the visionaries and the apparitions. But what you connect with is the sacramental life of the church, which is what is life-giving in our lives. The apparitions, while they're lovely, while they're beautiful, while it's an incredible gift and a grace, that's not what feeds our soul. What feeds our soul is the sacramental life of the church. And that's what people encounter in Medjugorje, especially in reconciliation, as you had mentioned. And you know, why the Lord particularly chose Medjugorje for that? I don't know. He cho chose Lourdes as a place where people could experience the divine physician. God is divine physician. God is healer. 
He chose Medjugorje as a place where people could experience the loving, merciful God who is ready to accept us, you know, no matter what we might have done. And I, I've had several priests in, over the years who've come with me to Medjugorje who've not been sure what to think about it, but still came maybe out of curiosity. Maybe somebody pushed them to go or maybe somebody paid for them to go or whatever it was. Every priest that I know that has come there questioning or wondering or not being certain have said the same thing, that when they've sat in that confessional, even for an hour or two, they've become convinced. Because for whatever reason, God pours out this grace where people who go there and open their hearts to confession, it's like they're opening their hearts in a way that they haven't been able to before. It is a grace that's given that they experience confession in the way that I think God intended all of us to receive it all the time, right? Not as a punitive place, not as a place of fear, not as a place of darkness, not as a place to dread or to avoid, but as a place where our hearts can be renewed, where our hearts can be reborn, where we can experience that intimacy with God in such a profound way in that sacramental encounter with the priest, with Christ present in the priest. And it is one of the highlights for people. You know, I, I think it might be hard for especially the Western world to imagine how confession can be a highlight of anything. And yet it really is for so, you know, we, we were commenting on this, Jenny, and on, on this pilgrimage, right? You know, within a couple of days of that group, you know, that you just came back from two weeks ago, uh, within, a, within a couple of days of being there, all the pilgrims, what the pilgrims were raving about was their experiences in confession. They weren't raving about the apparitions. They were all raving about how powerfully, profoundly they experienced that encounter with God in confession. It's it's an incredible experience there. Well, and it was so interesting when we would gather in the evening and share about our day. And, and we did a lot of things together, but then we each had time where we could go on our own to adoration or confession. And so coming back together as a group, sitting there, being almost giddy about the graces we received through confession and sharing and you know, when you take a step back, you're like, okay, these people just went and confessed their sins, the ways that they've made mistakes and, and fallen short, but yet they're so excited to come back, not necessarily what your sins were, but just those graces and that freedom and the healing that comes from that sacrament. So we would sit around all of us and talk about, did you go to confession? Did you go to confession? Who did you go to? And like the Holy Spirit, again, it was one of those times of great joy and healing as people were going to confession. Well, and you know, I've been doing full-time ministry for 25 years, I think it is, or a little bit over than more than that. Before I started doing full-time ministry, I was a social worker. And in my capacity as a social worker, sometimes I, you know, did uh, counseling, individual counseling, family therapy. You know, I worked with kids and families and individuals and married couples, all kinds of people. And the goal always was to lead people to a deeper place of healing, to a deeper place of, you know, surrender, of, of you know, of letting go, of coming to a place of reconciliation with themselves, with family members. And in the in that capacity as a social worker, and I, and I always preface this by saying, those are incredible. Having professionals like that, it's an absolute necessity in our in our culture, right? It, it's just such a gift to be able to have access to people like that. But, but what God can do in one confession, it, it doesn't even compare to what a year of therapy or counseling can do. It just, God can wipe away 
a lifetime of guilt, a lifetime of shame, a lifetime of brokenness, and bring instantaneous healing, instantaneous peace, instantaneous self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others, because he takes away, you know, we don't, sometimes people still need to work through things. I'm not saying you don't need to, but in that sacramental encounter, God works miracles. And that's why people come back giddy. Like you said, you know, people come back overjoyed because they've experienced the power of God in a very real way in their lives. And the the great news about that is you don't have to go to Medjugorje to experience it. Amen. That sacrament is available um, daily. You could probably find it daily in a church around you. So embracing that sacrament, reconnecting with it, being humble enough to allow God to heal you in that way. And I think we could talk for hours and hours as we wrap up. And I think we'll probably have to record a few more sessions together to talk about Medjugorje. Um, You have some exciting news. You are going to be the executive producer and the consultant on a movie being made in Hollywood about Medjugorje. It's so exciting, Jenny. We'll have to talk more about that in another show. But in a nutshell, this project has been in the works uh, for about seven months now. One of the most prolific producers in Hollywood, one of the biggest names in Hollywood in terms of being a producer, Lucas Foster, is the producer on this project. Holly Carney, who many people may have seen the movie Fatima, which is available on Netflix. Holly Carney was the executive producer on Fatima. She will be an executive producer on this project. I was brought into this project seven, eight months ago as initially as a consultant, a Medjugorje consultant, later as an executive producer as well. We're in the midst of all of this going on right now. Jenny, as you know, while your group is there, Holly and Lucas were both in Medjugorje at the same time for for Lucas to encounter Medjugorje for the first time himself. Uh, Holly had been there seven months ago with me. So the project is moving along. We're so excited about it. Lucas Foster Productions are global movies. This meet that means this movie about Medjugorje will be a global movie. And the the amazing opportunities for evangelization and helping other people get to know that message. It just blows my mind how exciting that is. Yes. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see this unfold and come together and having a Medjugorje heart. I can't wait for more people to experience that, to come to know um, the Lord through Medjugorje and all of the graces and blessings that are available to us. Amen to that, sister. (laughs) All right, Anne, thank you so much. Thank you for taking time to talk with me. And like I said, I think this will be the first of several. There's so much to share about Medjugorje. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for your own heart of, you know, loving Medjugorje and just wanting to serve the Lord. It's it's a joy to walk with sisters who are like-minded. So I look forward to our next encounter. Amen. All right, friends, stay happy, healthy, and holy, and I will see you next week. God bless.